This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better it was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly so you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues including cuts scrapes burns sunburns rashes other types of skin damage it's totally safe non-toxic suitable on all types of skin even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin this is also safe for the young members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 101. Show notes for this episode can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 101. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. I'm so excited to be here today. I feel like I've just been riding this wave of like shameless love for the last week. It's been so exciting. Last week when I checked in with you two episodes ago on Monday, but my last solo episode, I talked to you about just kind of the wild ride about we have tons of new listeners right now and just a lot of momentum behind the show, which is so fun. And I'm so grateful and excited that the show is resonating with so many people and that you all are feeling connected to something new and exciting when you listen and when you tune in and you feel like you're learning something new and getting something valuable from the Shameless Mom Academy. That means the world to me. So with this week, I just feel like I've kind of continued the momentum from last week. And then in addition, I've been doing a giveaway all week. So by the time this airs on Monday, that giveaway will be all wrapped up. But I've been doing a five-day giveaway on Instagram for my favorite thing. So if you don't follow me on Instagram, go do that right now. Go over to Instagram at the Shameless Mom Academy because I'll do another giveaway sometime soon because this was really fun. So I did five days worth of giveaways, essentially offering a different thing every day that would be part of a gift basket to give away on Friday. So I've been posting new items from my favorite things gift basket all week, which has been really fun. And it's been fun to see people who are excited about it and fun to see things who are like, I want that one. And I want this thing. And like just different people chiming in with different comments and tagging their friends and spreading the shameless love. So I've never done an Instagram challenge contest, whatever giveaway before. And it was really fun. So I'll definitely do it again. If you have something you want me to give away, like, let me know, like, but not a million (laughs) dollars. 
or not like a dream. Let me send your whole family on a dream vacation. Uh, No, I wish I could do something like that. If someone wants to do that as a sponsorship, have them reach out to me. If someone wants to give me something really awesome to gift, I'm all in. So if you have a good idea along those lines, let me know because this is a kind of new territory for me. So I'm definitely open to help. So for today, I'm so excited for this episode. I actually, like sometimes episodes come to me days, weeks, months in advance. And sometimes it's like day of, I'm figuring things out. So this episode came to me over last weekend, a week ago, we did an overnight. So Vinny's actually had two little sleepovers recently, his first two sleepovers that he's ever had. And he had them two Saturday nights in a row. So two weeks ago, we had his friend Cameron sleepover. And that was great. And they're exactly the same age. They were very cute and fun. And you know, of course, they were like, up late and up early and all that. Last weekend, we had one of my dearest friends from college. Her two children are five and eight, and we had them both come over. I know, friend of the year over here, right here, please. Like, can I get a trophy? So we were actually returning the favor. We sent Vinny to her house a few months ago so Vince and I could go away overnight. So I said, hey, like, we'll return the favor anytime. So last weekend, in the pouring rain, when we could go outside and do nothing, the whole weekend, we had a four-year-old Vinny and then our two friends who were five and eight. And it was a little bit of a wild gang we had going on here. And the most brilliant thing I did is on Saturday night, I had to run something over to my gym. And I was like, Oh, you know what, like, no one's gonna be there. So why don't I bring the three kids and my husband was there too. We're like, we're gonna go out to pizza with these kids. But let's like go over to the gym first and let them just run wild. Oh my gosh, you guys, how have I never thought of this? This is seriously the first time I've been like, hey, Vinny, let's just, he's like, come with me to drop things off and we'll play a little here and there. But it's usually just like for me to get something done and I'll let him pull some stuff out. But we've never gone to the gym as like, let's just go run our hearts out at the gym. So that's what we did with three kids. And it was hilarious and so fun. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start hosting play dates for Vinny and all of his friends at the gym. And I might supply wine. So if you're in the Seattle area and you want to get in on that action, let me know. I'm sure there's some liability issues. So I, the alcohol thing might have to go by the wayside. But anyways, I was like, this is brilliant. So we went to the gym. They went to bed a little later than normal, but actually bedtime didn't go too badly. Vinny is like a bedtime instigator. So I've noticed this now. I noticed it last year when we traveled with friends and I've noticed it with his two sleepovers that like the other kids are all like ready to go to bed. And Vinny's like, Hey, are you awake? Are you awake? What are you doing? And I watch him in the video monitor and I have audio on it. And I can totally tell that like the other kid is trying to go to sleep. Vinny, not so much. And even going there, I was like the mean mom where I'm like, you guys, I've given you three warnings. Now I'm going to have to separate you. And the other kid is like, I'm trying to go to sleep. And Vinny is like, totally not trying to go to sleep. So it's been really funny. The big lesson to me in this 24 hours with three children is number one, thank God IVF did not work. Like here I have been mourning that we could not have a second child. And wow, my eyes have been opened. I have seen the other side and I understand. And 24 hours was enough for me to have more than one child. And so, I mean, we had a lot of fun, but it was also, I was like, wow, this is not a small deal. This is like a big deal, these multiple kid situations. So it was actually some really good perspective. My husband and I both on Saturday night after we got the kids all asleep and everything, we were both like, huh, we think we dodged a bullet with that whole IVF thing not working out. So I will say that has really helped me in the last week with some of the processing. Because I've said to you before, like I've really had a hard time with that where I have these waves of like, I think I'm okay, but then I get sad and I like, there's all these things and I've like looked into foster adoption stuff and like what would make sense for our family. And 
I just haven't found something that feels right, but I also have not felt great putting it all to rest. And I will say after last weekend, it's the closest I've come to putting it all to rest. So that's been really interesting. And that really led to the inspiration for this episode because I thought, wow, if I can have this experience of having these three kids over, which was really fun. I mean, it was totally fun. So don't get me wrong. I'm making it sound like it was, you know, crazy and overwhelming, which it was, but it was also, it was fun and it was a fun adventure and we'll definitely do it again. So if Katie's listening, she can rest assured that we will be doing it again and we will take her kids again. So it gave me a lot of perspective though on the grass is always greener. And I know that I'm this kind of a person, but I know like I am so the grass is always greener on the other side. So, you know, when we're trying to do IVF and I was like, oh my God, like what if it actually works and we have to have a second baby and I'll totally freak out. Well, then it didn't work. And it was like, oh my gosh, like someone just told me I can't have another baby. And so then I was like all upset about that. So either thing that I thought I couldn't have was like the thing that was devastating to me. And now I'm seeing, and I've talked about this before, but it's really become a lot more pervasive to me that when a door is closed, then you build a life around that door being closed and noticing what other doors open as a result. And so when the opportunity for us to have a second child closed a door, it opens the door to a lot of other things. But I've had a very hard time letting go, even though I recognize what the other doors are that open. And I've talked about some of those things on past episodes. I've had a hard time like letting that door just stay shut. And I've had a hard time like thinking, you know, maybe I should find another way to make this work. And there's other ways that we could be, you know, have more family members and how much should we like aggressively pursue that. And this was really after having 24 hours with three children, I was like, you know what? We have it really good. And maybe I'm spending too much time thinking about what I don't have and not enough time thinking about what I do have, which is what inspired this episode about falling in love with your life wherever it's at. And, you know, I know that I have people emailing me on such a regular basis who are going through really big trials and tribulations, people who've like just separated from their spouses and are approaching divorce and a parenting plan. People are going through significant losses. Maybe it's the loss of a relationship, the loss of a job, the loss of a child or a significant change in expectations in any of those areas of their lives where there's this definite like, oh my gosh, how will I move forward? This is my new life. Like, what is that going to be like? What does that mean? And it takes some time to get through that. And I'm not at all saying that you should like shove it under the rug and just move on because I think that you do need a time for grieving and for processing. But I also think that it is in your power to fall in love with your life wherever you're at on any given day. And so that's what I want to talk about today because I've really been thinking about this a lot in the last week, thinking like, what can I do to fall in love with my life more as it is right now, rather than being so preoccupied with the things that I don't have or the things that like feel like they are no longer options to me and those kinds of things. So I came up with a great list. Are you guys ready? I have six steps to fall in love with your life. And these are things that I have either done or that I'm actively working on right now. So there are things that I definitely have some experience with. So I'll fill you in on some of those details as we go. So number one, the first way to fall in love with your life is to embrace a growth mindset. So I'm reading the book Mindset right now by Carol Dweck, which is a fantastic read. It's fascinating. And there's actually a whole section in there on parenting around the growth mindset. I haven't gotten to that part yet, but I'm dying to get there. And I will definitely be probably doing some more information and talking about that more as I get into that information. But Outside of parenting, when you talk about the growth mindset for yourself, you will never fall in love with your life if you settle for the fixed mindset. You have to be in this place of growth mindset where you never stop learning, you're constantly evolving, you're always growing, you're always pushing yourself, and that's how you expand and 
have all, find all the things that you want and enjoy all the things that you want. So I want to just give you a quick synopsis of what the book talks at length about a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. And I want to talk to you about the comparison between the two, because I think you might find like me that maybe sometimes you get trapped in the fixed mindset and it would be helpful for you to be coming from more of a place of the growth mindset. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explained. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listener can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. So a fixed mindset would be if you think you're good at something or you're not good at it. So for example, and this happens with kids in school all the time, and it happened with me, I always thought I was not good at reading, but I was good at math because I was never in an advanced reading group. And I struggled like reading comprehension was always my lowest grade in grade school. But math was always my strongest 
area. And I was always in the advanced math class. So I continued to push myself in math because I was like, oh, I'm good at math. And I always held myself back with reading because I was like, well, I'm kind of a slow reader and I don't have good comprehension and I don't test well with reading. And so I really held myself back because I very strongly identified with being good at math and not good at reading. Maybe you can relate. Another fixed mindset attitude would be my potential is predetermined. Another one would be when I give up or when I'm frustrated with something, I give up. Another one would be I stick to what I know or either I can do something or I can't do something. So I have a lot of this interestingly around physical stuff. I grew up not playing sports and really insecure about my body and my athleticism. And so I always thought that I couldn't do certain things. And like team sports were like the most horrifying thing in the world to me. But what I found is an adult when I got into running and triathlons that I wasn't a super fast runner, but I could run for a long time if I trained well. And then I started doing triathlons and realized that I wasn't like an amazing cyclist, but I had really strong legs, which in a triathlon setting served me very well. And then I realized that I'm not like the best swimmer in the world, but I'm a decent swimmer and I have a decent stroke. And so I'm pretty efficient. And when you put those three things together, I take three things that I'm like kind of okay at and reasonably strong at the biking part, even though it was like the thing I had the least experience with that made me into actually a great triathlete. And I actually like was able to place in my age group and all these things. I became an athlete as an adult, like swearing my life on the fact that I was not athletic, that I couldn't play sports, that I couldn't perform when it came to anything requiring physical capabilities. And yet I started in my mid twenties getting like trophies and ribbons for winning races and not like winning first place, but winning in my age group and coming in, like getting on the podium a few times and things like that, which was mind boggling to me. But that really pushed me into the growth mindset because I learned that like, oh, you actually can like learn skills and develop them and get better at things. It doesn't have to be like, well, you don't play sports growing up, so you can't do a triathlon. Like that's totally not true. And so think of all the areas in your life where you maybe hold yourself back. You know, I'm not a fast reader and I don't have great comprehension, but oh my gosh, I read so many books and I learned so much from them. And oftentimes I can't tell you in like three months later what the book was about. I can just tell you that like either I really loved it or I didn't because again, I don't have amazing comprehension, but the value that that has brought to my life and how it's expanded my mind and expanded my horizons and made me better, stronger, and more well-rounded and well-developed has been huge. And so I really have to step out of that fixed mindset of like, oh, I'm not a good reader because reading all the time has really positively impacted my life. Another fixed mindset would be failure is the limit of my abilities. And so we often, and oh my gosh, I'm so guilty of this. We often don't even try things because we think we're going to be bad at them and we only want to do things that we're good at. So just give yourself a little quick show of hands, maybe both of your hands, if you're someone that doesn't like to do something, if you don't know you're going to be good at it. That is totally me. Like I'm only going to sign up for something if I know I can do it really well and like get first place. That is totally me. What I've learned in recent years, in the last 10 years especially, even the last five years especially, more so than the last 10, is that the only way you grow is by trying things and kind of totally sucking at them sometimes. And that's how you learn. And that's how you learn that like 
you maybe don't like that thing, or maybe you love that thing and you're not good at it, but you really want to learn it more and be more proficient so that you can do it because actually it was really enjoyable. Or maybe you learned like, yeah, actually I was right. This is totally not for me, but at least you've tested it and tried it. You aren't just assuming that it's not good for you, that it's not your thing. So the growth mindset would be challenges help me grow. My effort and my attitude determine my abilities. Feedback is constructive. I am inspired by other people. So you don't feel limited in your own abilities. You feel like there's potential and possibility in all of your opportunities and all of your abilities. The growth mindset in regards to failure would say failure is an opportunity to grow. And this is a huge one. I actually don't approach things anymore from only doing things I think I'm good at because that's so limiting because you can only be really good at so many things and you can only know in advance so many things that you're going to be good at. So now my mindset going into something new and unfamiliar, which always gives me diarrhea and makes me want to like cry a little bit and throw up a little bit. I always go into it thinking like, this could be horrible. I might totally screw it up, but I'm going to learn so much. And even if it's a complete disaster, I will have the lessons that I learned and it will make for a good story at the end of the day. So there's always that, like there's always something that will come out of it that I can use later down the road. So that's a lot of how I've evolved the growth mindset. So one of the ways of falling in love with your life is evolving and embracing your growth mindset and really focusing on shutting down some of your fixed mindset attitudes. So if any of that resonated with you, definitely get Carol Dweck's book um, called Mindset. And I'll link to that in the show notes because it's a really powerful read. And I'm really excited to get to the parenting part. So I'll give you guys a little more information about that when I get there. Okay. So number two, quit the comparison trap. If you want to fall in love with your life, you have to stop comparing yourself to other people. And I am as guilty of this as anyone else. I am the person who's like, you know, if I only had what they have and if I was only as successful as them and if I like had all the money for those vacations and whatever. And I will tell you, this is a funny story. This is my earliest memories of the comparison trap. I remember in grade school in like maybe third or fourth grade, my best friend at the time, who was my best friend from all of grade school, her dad was a very successful doctor and they lived in this very fancy house overlooking the water. And she had a lot more than I did financially. And I was always jealous of what she had. And I was always jealous that her parents bought her everything because she wasn't like super spoiled, but her parents paid for her stuff. And I very early on had to like babysit to earn money for my clothes. And my mom bought my uniform, but like all of my play clothes and stuff, like I had to start earning my own money early, early on to buy all that stuff. And if I wanted toys, I had to save money. And my mom would like help me buy things, but it was like, on these, like with a lot of conditions. And so, which was a very helpful way to learn money management, but it was challenging because of how so many of my friends were able to just like ask for something and get it because they came from a lot more money and they just had different parameters around money and spending in their households. So one of the things I did is I started lying to my best friend who I'm sure knew the truth. And this is what I lied about. I lied about jelly shoes. So raise your hand if you remember jelly shoes. So I remember my friend and I, we didn't have jelly shoes and jelly shoes. If you don't know, I'm sure if you Google image them, you can find them, but they're plastic shoes and they're plastic. And they're like made of little plastic circles kind of that like wrap around your feet. And then like your toe fat, like sticks out between the circles. It's the most uncomfortable, no support shoe that you can possibly imagine. And if your feet sweat at all, you get like the worst blisters ever. And I know this because my friend and I saved our money to go get jelly shoes, which I think we got at like the grocery store. They're not sold at fancy places. And so we got them like at the drugstore or something. Like we walked from my house to this little tiny shopping center that had like one little drugstore and one grocery store. So we got them there and then we walked home wearing them. And I think we both had like bleeding blisters. 
by the time we got home. But I remember telling her on that walk that at my dad's house, I had 14 pairs of jelly shoes. Okay. So two things. First of all, I like rarely ever went to my dad's house. So I'm sure she thought I was lying because I'm sure she's like, why would you keep 14 pairs of the same thing there when you never even go there? And second of all, like, why would you have 14 pairs of anything? And even like today we live in an excessive world, much more so than in 1983 or four when this was. But there's no way that anyone had like 14 pairs of jelly shoes. And I very specifically remember being like, well, I have 14 pairs at my dad's house. And they're like all these different colors and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sure she was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, I don't even think she responded. She probably just knew I was lying. But it was because I lived in this comparison trap of, well, she gets this and I don't get that. And I remember she would call me, she would go shopping on the weekend and call me and be like, well, we went to Bellevue Square and I got this and this and this. And I would get off the phone and cry to my mom and be like, her mom bought her everything and you don't buy me things and blah, blah, blah. So the comparison trap for me started very early. It also started with body image, comparing my body, comparing my friends' family situations to mine and comparing my friends' financial situations, always noticing what other people had. That started at a very young age for me. So I've had to really conscientiously work my way out of that over the past you know, few decades um, leading up to where I am now at 41. And I've also had to recognize that, oh my gosh, no matter how good things look on the outside, they're never that great. And so when I catch myself looking at people and thinking like, man, they just have it all. Like, what does that feel like to have all of that? I always think, you know what? they don't have it all. Just like I'm sure, you know, I put a lot of funny things up on Facebook on my personal page where I'm like laughing about these funny things that my son said and like going on date night with my husband and everything is just so cute and funny and my business is successful and like everything can look so picture perfect. And I'm sure there's people who are like, who are thinking like, wow, what is it like to be in that position? I'll tell you right now for every awesome day I have, I have a not so awesome day. And for every event where I'm like, wow, like I totally nailed it there's another time or moment where I'm like, wow, I so did not nail that. Like I totally screwed that up. I need to go back and fix it. How can I make it better? Like I'm embarrassed or I'm uncomfortable or I don't feel good about that. So you really have to recognize that when you're in that comparison trap, first of all, it's fake. Like whatever you think the other person has that's so perfect and magical, it's not perfect and magical. 100%, I promise you. And on the other side of that, to fall in love with your own life, you have to look at what you do have and not just look at what other people have. And so that's a lot. And this has been a big part of this getting over this whole IVF thing for me is when I see people with multiple kids and I see people with, you know, with a brand new baby, I think like, oh man, those cuddles. And I really like stop and think, you know what? Those cuddles come with like a lot of nights with no sleep. And those cuddles come with a breast pump. And those cuddles come with screaming. And those cuddles come with like not having time to take a shower. Those cuddles come with no free time for like two years after a baby is born. So those cuddles come at a cost. On the flip side of that, I don't get those cuddles, but you know what? Now that Vinny is over four, like I'm getting more free time. I'm sleeping really well. I haven't touched a breast pump in a number of years. Thank God. And I never will again. Like all these other things that have improved my quality of life are happening. And those are the things I want to be looking at. Those are the things I want to be focusing on because that's how I can fall in love with the life that I have rather than getting sucked into, wow, look at all those people who can have more than one child. So that's where I try to constantly flip that and get out of that comparison trap. 
Number three, the third way to fall in love with your life is to practice daily gratitude and wins. So make sure you listen on Wednesday because I'm interviewing my friend Scott Colby on Wednesday and we are doing a whole episode on gratitude. So I'm gonna spend not so much time on it today, but this is something I have my gym members do and I kind of know the truth. I know that when I say you should track your gratitude and wins, I know they kind of roll their eyes at me and I know they're like, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. I don't really need to keep track of that. They're like all about like, well, let's count our calories and let's like see how many calories we burn in a workout and let's see like how much protein we can eat in a day and let's cut carbs. Like those are the things they want to track. My thing is that if you are tracking gratitude and wins, if you are constantly noticing where you are making improvements in your life and where you are feeling grateful, you will automatically do the things that serve you and make you feel good, which includes things like not eating crap and exercising well and eating foods that fuel you and give you energy and make you feel good. So when you're in that mindset of, wow, like I'm really grateful for this amazing salad for lunch. I'm grateful that I got to get up and get in an early morning workout today because my husband didn't have to go to work early and my son was still sleeping. And so I was able to do that without any interruptions. If when I'm able to find gratitude around all those things, it's like so easy to replicate them all. And it's so easy to keep going with them and to build momentum behind habits. If I can constantly be grateful for the wins that I have and recognize the wins that I have within any of those habits. So that is so crucial in loving your life that you constantly recognize like, wow, this is amazing. This is awesome. That you are that happy person that you make eye contact with other people and that you smile at them and you have those positive connections constantly. Because when you feel grateful for things, you will behave in a more positive way. And like literally people on the street will be like, who's that lady smiling all the time? And I'm not even kidding you that I'm the person, especially with some neighbors who don't ever want to say hi. I'm the neighbor who's like, hey, hi, how's it going? Like always wanting to check in with people. I'm sure they think I'm like the nosy Nelly of the neighborhood because like I want to connect with people and I want to connect with the people around me. And so I want to like reach out and be positive. And our one neighbor next door to us, who's I think in his like mid forties and single, And he lives in this huge house and I'm so curious about his life. I'm like, who lives in this huge house when you're single and and you're middle age and it's just fascinating to me. And he is like clearly an extreme introvert. And I'm always like, hey, how's it going? What are you up to? Like, I'm pretty sure he tries to hide from me whenever he sees me. So practicing gratitude and and noting your wins every single day is huge. So I'm currently doing this with my gym members. We're doing an eight-week accountability club. And every night I'm posting my gratitude and my wins in our Facebook group. And it's been really fun to see how other people are doing that too and, and seeing what other people come up with. Because sometimes you get stuck in your own little rut like, yes, I'm still grateful for the same things yesterday as today. It's awesome to see what other people are grateful for. So if there's a way that you could do like gratitude or wins within your family, doing them around the dinner table, maybe before bed, it's a really powerful way to connect with other people and kind of get some good perspective on like what other people are grateful for. Cause that'll trigger in you like, oh yeah, I'm grateful for all these other things too that I hadn't even thought about. So number four, the fourth way to fall in love with your life is to take radical responsibility for your joy. This might be my favorite one because here's the thing. If you are miserable, it's kind of your own fault. And if you are full of joy, it's kind of your own fault. So there's like a million reasons every day that you could be miserable. Every day I can find something to have a major anxiety attack over. Like I am very prone to feeling anxious and nervous and doubtful and all those things. So any given day, I could write you a real quick list of, you know, 10 to 20 to 30 things that I'm a little bit worried about. But I also know that I am not productive when I get sucked into the things that I'm anxious about. 
I'm productive when I'm in motion and crossing things off my list. So I just do my best to stay in motion because when I get paralyzed by anxiety and I'm no longer in motion, then things get really tough real fast and I get very stuck. So when I take radical responsibility for my joy, I'm constantly doing things that I feel joyful, that bring me joy. And it might be a workout in the morning. It might be a 10 minute, you know, walk with the dog to go get coffee. It might be listening to a podcast. It might be taking a bath. It might be having a glass of wine by myself while my husband puts Vinny to bed and like just chilling out for a minute. It might be making a date night. It might be scheduling a girl's night with a girlfriend. It can be a million different things that create joy, but all those things, you're responsible for those things. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up, and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where, as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever. And your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you. And you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clux. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. And so when people say that like they don't have anything good going on or things are really crazy and stressful, I don't doubt that things are crazy and stressful, but they're crazy and stressful because you made them crazy and stressful. That's not to say that there aren't like unforeseen circumstances that can be very overwhelming at times because that also happens. But you are going to be as overwhelmed as you allow yourself to be. And so you have to take radical responsibility for being overwhelmed and for being over busy and for having anxiety about certain things. If you're letting things get to you, and again, not minimizing kind of the mindset that can go with anything related to like anxiety and depression and all that. Like if it's a clinical issue, I want you to be getting treatment for that. But in terms of just letting your life get carried away without you being in charge of it, 
That is what you need to take radical responsibility for. You have the power to create joy every single day. You have the power to create positivity every single day. You have the power to create wins in your life every single day, but you have to be responsible for that. No one's going to do it for you. So when people say like, I don't have time for anything. Well, it's because you've made priorities with other things in your time. Or if they say like, you know, my husband and I was like, we like never do date night. We say we should do date night. Well, you know, it's because you haven't taken radical responsibility to do date night. If you don't have close girlfriends, this can be a real challenge later in life, building close relationships. You have to take radical responsibility for that. Like you have to change that. So it might be that you've moved towns or something where like your situation is very different and you aren't in a situation where you're near people who you once were connected to, but you can take radical responsibility for changing that. And I've seen this happen over and over with gym members who have come to my gym and they've said like, I recently moved to the area or I'm just looking to connect with more women who are similar to me and a similar place as me. And I see these women come in and build networks of friendships within our gym setting. And it's amazing. And that's them taking radical responsibility to connect with other women. And so all of it is possible, but you have to take radical responsibility for creating your joy. No one's going to do it for you. And if you don't do it, if you don't take radical responsibility for creating joy in your life, it's not only not going to be there, but you're going to notice the other junk that's there. You're going to notice the like stress and the craziness and the busyness and the frustration and the overbookedness and the feeling impatient with your kids and feeling annoyed with your husband. You're going to notice all that if you don't take the time to create joy in your life. So you get one or the other. You got to pick which one are you going to be radically responsible for? Number five, the fifth way to fall in love with your life is to find the cracks. I actually did a whole episode on this a couple months ago, and it was kind of more specifically related to the political landscape at that time, which hasn't really dramatically improved, but in my humble opinion. But the quote that I use was a Leonard Cohen quote that I used for the episode. And it was called, there is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. So you have to find the cracks. If you want to fall in love with your life, you have to be able to find the cracks in the misery, in the most painful things in your life. And figure out how you're going to let the light in. And so it might be in a relationship that you just don't know how to mend. It might be in your marriage. It might be in a relationship with your child. With Maybe there's a big struggle with one of your kids. It might be in your self-image or your body image. It can be in any of those things. You have to find the crack. And this goes back to radical responsibility, but you have to find the cracks because there is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. So you have to find where is the crack that you can start to open up just a little bit to let a little bit of light in. And it might be, you know, it might be that you put closure on something. It might be that you put something to rest and you let kind of the piece of that be the light that starts to come in. Or it might be that you like open something up and that's the light that comes in. You open something up and like, I need to get into this. I need to figure this out. I'm going to fix this relationship. I'm going to fix this problem. So it can go in either direction, but there's a crack either way. Like there is a way through this issue. There is a way through whatever this troubling thing is where you can let the light in. You just have to figure out where the crack is, how you're going to enter the crack, which direction you're going to go. But there is a crack. That's how the light gets in. And number six, the sixth way to fall in love with your life is to keep your shield up. So I'm all about vulnerability. I'm all about like being real upfront with the things that you're most insecure about. I've talked about this before, but I think you also need to keep a shield up. And when I talk about keeping up a shield, I'm not saying keep a shield up in terms of hiding yourself from others. I'm more saying keep a shield up so that you are selective about who you let in. So this is a shield to shield you from Eeyores and energy suckers. 
I'm going to tell you a little bit about these Eeyores and energy suckers. So Eeyores are people who have probably been in your life for a long time because you probably wouldn't seek them out now, but they're people who've been in your life for a long time. And they just always notice how everything is so hard and everything is so bad and everything just sucks and everything is just the worst for me and I can never catch a break. Everything always goes wrong and it's not fair. Life isn't fair. I got dealt a bad hand. That's an Eeyore. And we all have them in our life and it's okay to put a shield up and protect yourself from those people. It's okay to spend as little time as possible with those people. Sometimes they're family members. Maybe you have to see them on the holidays here and there, but it's okay to minimize your exposure to yours. It's okay to minimize your time to someone who's just dragging their tail slowly down the street, focusing on woe is me all day, every day. Because in addition to being an Eeyore, which is just kind of annoying. It's a huge energy suck. And so that ER might be an energy suck. There might also be other people who are energy suckers who just, and it's not necessarily that it's a bad person, but just the way that their energy and your energy jive and meld just doesn't work. And so you leave that relationship. Every time you have an interaction, you leave feeling like, ugh, that wasn't great. It didn't improve my day. I didn't feel like I got anything out of that. It just sucked my energy. It made me frustrated. It made me angry. And that's not to say that there's not going to be bumps in relationships sometimes. And there's not going to be like, you know, challenges here and there that maybe need to be worked through or talked through. But when it's consistently someone sucking energy from you and you constantly walk away with like, Oh God, great. Like that again was the worst part of my day. It's okay to change the dynamic of that relationship or put up your shield and really limit your exposure to that relationship. Something that's really significant in this is that sometimes these people are our spouses and sometimes these people are our children. So consider if that's your situation, how can you broach that carefully, tenderly, and appropriately? Vinny recently has started learning different words with negative connotations and he doesn't quite know exactly what he's saying, but like he'll mess up on something and he'll go, Oh, this is the worst day ever, which makes me crazy because that's like totally the opposite of my mindset on anything. And so when he says stuff like that, or he'll say like, I can't do it. I can never do this. And I always say, we don't say that. We don't say I can't. We say, I will try again. Or we say, I will ask for help. But we don't say, I can't do this. I can never do that. This is the worst thing ever. Like, that's just not how we talk. And I know with a four-year-old, sometimes the more you say like, well, we don't talk like that, the more they want to talk like that. So I have to be kind of careful. But I'm very aware, especially because he tends to have a very perfectionistic attitude like his mother. I'm very aware of how easily he is. He goes from being approaching something with enthusiasm to feeling like he's a complete failure. And so I'm keeping my eye out for like, I might have a little bit of an ER on my hands, a little bit of a woe is me. I can never do anything right the second something goes wrong and I'm not going to stand for it. And that can happen with spouses too. And spouses can be energy suckers. And sometimes you don't realize, you know, you've been together for a really long time and maybe one or the other of you is like, wow, I really want to improve my life and like go in a new direction and try something new. And you get really excited. And then the spouse is like the very like pragmatic, practical, well, if you do that, how is that going to impact the family? And is that going to take time away from the family? And is that going to take money and resources from the family? And what about this? And what about that? And you immediately feel like, oh my gosh, like you just rained all over my parade. Like I just wanted to be bold and brave and try something new. And you just like pooped on me. And so 
sometimes you have to have these conversations about like, I'm really working on my mindset. I'm really working on like embracing this, that, or the other thing. And that can sometimes be really hard for the other person to understand. And there there can be some eye rolls like, oh, seriously, like, are you getting into all that woo woo stuff? Are you getting into like, I can't even think of a good example, but like, you can think of, you know, are you getting into all that, like things about like, vision boards and like just dreaming about things and they'll happen and the secret and blah, blah, blah. Like, and you can be like, yeah, I'm kind of getting into those things. I'm just exploring it. I know some people who it's worked well for. I know some people who've had like really positive impact in their life by working on their mindset and by reading about how to improve mindset to create growth in all areas of your life. So you can just say that and you can say it as gently as you need to and have it be like a very pleasant conversation. But that might be a really valuable conversation for you to have if your spouse is not someone, and I will tell you, like, my husband is not someone who's like, oh, yeah, like, let's read all the mindset or the personal development books together and, like, work on our mindset together. Like, he's totally not that person. And when we first met, our first, I think it was our first Valentine's Day together, I bought this book. It was a couple of Valentine's Day. And so we'd been together for a couple of years. We were going to Hawaii. And we got on the plane and I was like, hey, in my mind, this was like heavenly. Like we have six hours on this flight and I got this book and it's called All About Us. And it's like this whole book that's like interview questions where you interview the other person and you like take notes on it where you can learn about each other. And I was like, hey, this will be so fun. We can do this together. And he looked at me and he was like, are you kidding me? And I was like, come on, it'll be really interesting. And he's like, I'm not doing that. And I was like, okay, can we do like one question? And so we did like, we each picked one question and did one question. I think it took like, I don't know, seven minutes maybe. And then he was like, and we're done. So he sees me being in this world of like, positivity and optimism and like build the life you love and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, that's awesome. That's so great. You're really good at that. But he like, doesn't really want to invest too much of his own time or energy into it, which is fine. But I have to have talks with him. Like if I catch him, like getting in a cycle of like, this is really hard and you know, it's never going to be right. I have to be like, actually, like, it's not that hard and we are okay. And here's all the things that we have going right for us. And I'm sure he at times is like, thank you, wife, Pollyanna. (laughs) But like, he knows that that's where I come from now. And he just knows. And so, and he also whines a lot less because he knows that I'm not super sympathetic. Like if he starts whining about something, I'm like, well, and actually on the flip side of that, the positive outcome is going to be blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, I know. So it's like, there's no point in even coming to me whining about something because I'm going to turn it upside down and make it be something positive. So not to say that I don't do my own share of like moaning and groaning here and there, but for the most part, when he comes to me moaning and groaning, I kind of don't have it. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, but let's talk about what's really good about that thing. So those are the six steps to falling in love with your life. And just do a quick review. So we have embrace a growth mindset, quit the comparison trap, practice daily gratitude and wins, take radical responsibility for your joy, find the cracks and keep your shield up. So funny, right before this podcast, right before I started doing my notes, I drew a truth bomb. So I have this big deck of cards from Danielle Laporte called truth bombs. I put them up on Instagram from time to time. If you want to peek out them over at the shameless mom Academy on Instagram and the truth bomb I drew today said conclusions are lethal. And it took me a while. I was like, Oh, that one's, I don't really like that one. And I almost drew another one. And then I was like, actually, no, like I'm going to make myself think about this. And I was thinking conclusions are lethal because if you automatically assume the worst, that's always going to be bad, right? Because you're going to limit the possibility. If you assume the worst thing is going to happen, you will limit the potential of all outcomes. If you assume the best, that's also limiting because if the best doesn't happen, first of all, you might not reach high enough in assuming the best, but also 
If you assume that the best is going to happen, then you set yourself up for like the bottom falling out when it doesn't happen. So conclusions are lethal. So just don't make conclusions. You can prepare for the worst, assume positive things will happen, but you don't necessarily need to have like the best outcome is this and that is exactly what's going to happen or the worst outcome is this and that's what I'm going to assume is going to happen. So conclusions are lethal. That's my last little bit of knowledge there from today's truth bomb. And then what I want to leave you with is that it is totally possible to fall in love with your life a little bit more every day. This is not an overnight thing. I'm not saying like you're going to listen to this and wake up tomorrow and be like, and now I'm in love with my life. It's the most amazing day ever. But every day you can fall in love with your life a little bit more. Something needs to happen every day. It doesn't need to happen overnight, but every day can be better than the day before. So constantly be looking at just little steps to make every day better than the day before. And especially if you're in a time of transition or a time of trauma or a time of grieving, really look at how can I start working my way out, like slowly but surely working my way out of this period into something, back into a life that I truly love and maybe into a life that is I love more than any life I've had in the past, which can often happen when you go through transition. Transition can be extremely painful and scary and overwhelming and daunting, but many, many times when you get to the end of it, you are in a position to create and build something way better than you've ever had before. So, If this episode was helpful to you, please share it. Sharing the Shameless Mom Academy is how we grow. It's how I continue to be able to produce really amazing episodes for you and connect with really amazing people for interviews. So you sharing the Shameless Mom Academy builds my credibility in a big way and allows me to grow this community. We have some fun things coming in the next month that I'm going to be announcing. We're going to be opening a private Facebook community. We're going to be doing some more stuff on social media to allow people to be more involved and engaged. So all of that will be coming up soon. So stay tuned for more information on that because I'm looking forward to being able to connect with you more frequent and more intimate basis. So lots of fun things there. You can share this episode by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 101, or you can go to Shameless Mom Academy on Instagram or Facebook, and the episode will be posted there and you can share from there. Additionally, my last favor, this is a big one, you guys, this podcast is released every Monday and Wednesday. So if this is your first time listening, make sure you tune back in in a couple days for the next episode. But you can also subscribe by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. There will be a little link there where you can click a button that says subscribe. When you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review, you can also leave a review. So here's my favor. Go write a review. It literally can be one sentence. I mean, if it's more, if you, you can write paragraphs. I read them all. I love them all. It's the highlight of my day every time I read reviews. But my reviews are really important. They are my ratings and they allow the show again to continue to grow and evolve and build. And they give me a lot of credibility when I go to get really awesome guests on the show. So shamelessmom.com forward slash review, go leave me a review, subscribe to the show, and then come back again in a couple days because we have an awesome episode coming up on Wednesday with Scott Colby. And I hope you have a fantastic day. I appreciate you spending time with me today in the Shameless Mom Academy. And no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly.
Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.